Right, we're in the middle of discussing some of the halachas of Amir Akum. We discussed in the previous year the, I think we went, what did we discuss last time? Electricity. Did we go down the route of electricity? I don't even remember anymore. We went through, no, that was too sure ago. And then I think we went electricity and then elderly people. Okay, we'll, we'll move on a little bit uh, and uh, it's a little bit disjointed this, this uh, way around, but we'll manage. We discussed hospitals, was that? That was twice ago, wasn't it? Hospitals was twice ago. Uh, we did a bit like, okay. I think we discussed electricity a little bit. LED light. <coughs> we did electricity, right. Okay, so let's move on. We're in the middle of working through the areas where Amir Lakam is permitted. Generally, Amir Lakam to ask a non Jew to do a malacha on Shabbos is forbidden. We're trying to work through the areas where Amir Lakam is permitted. So we went through the halachas of for a choyla, for a sick person, and that's how we moved on to electricity and onto hospitals and old age homes, etc. One of the areas which we've mentioned, we have mentioned it briefly, and I'd like to elaborate a little bit just with some scenarios, is L'Tzorich Mitzvah. We spoke about giving a share. If a person is giving a share or a person is coming to shul and doesn't have a siddha, can he ask a non-Jew to bring a siddha through a caramelist, through an area which is not a Rishos Rabban Deraisa? And we said, for the sake of a mitzvah, Amir Lakum on a drabon on a shush to shush is permitted. So you can ask a non-Jew to do a drabon on a malacha drabon for you if it's the sake of a mitzvah. We discussed, if you remember, the lighting, lighting the candles for for Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur, Amir Akum for the sake of a mitzvah, which is a malacha deraisa, that's a machlekes rishayim. Are you allowed to do a malacha deraisa for the sake of a, of, of a mitzvah, for the sake of a rabbim? What we want to discuss today is Amir Akum in a case of a drabonon. That means you're asking a non-Jew to transgress a malacha drabonon in a situation of a mitzvah. Where is that relevant to us? And it's extremely, extremely relevant. One of the mitzvahs which is considered n- a, 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 an important mitzvah and where Amir Lakum is permitted mm-hmm. is Oynek Shabbos. Oynek Shabbos, which is very important for us to understand this. Oynek Shabbos allows us to ask a non-Jew to do a Melacha Drabonon. So if a person comes home and finds the, there's no food for the Shabbos meal, he can ask a guy, a non-Jew, to go next door to his next door neighbor and bring some food to his house for Shabbos. He has no food for Shabbos. I know you're all wondering how on earth is that possible, but it is possible. And uh, we'll come to scenarios which are really more practical in, in a few moments. But if there's no food for Shabbos, then you can ask a non-Jew to go and bring that food for you. You can't ask a non-Jew to cook the food for you, because cooking the food constitutes a malacha de raisa. That's a biblical issa. You can't ask a non-Jew to do a biblical issa. But you can ask a non-Jew to do a drabonon. So go next door and bring your food to the next door neighbor, which is only transporting food from one rishos to another rishos. That's permitted. That's perfectly permitted. So you'll be allowed to ask a non-Jew to go and get your ne- ask, you know, and borrow some food, or beg for some food from your next-door neighbor. What's called Oynek Shabbos? And this is where it becomes a little bit controversial. What's called Oynek Shabbos? Now, my Shabbos meals, uh, or your Shabbos meals, most Shabbos meals, we have uh, wine, and we have challah, and we have fish, and we have dips, and we have side dishes, and you have uh, meat, and you have chicken, and you have uh, salads, and, and kugels, and nechreis was That's an enormous meal. How much of that is really considered necessary. Of course, if you ask a dietitian, I'll tell you none of it's necessary. But how much of it is really necessary for Oynek Shabbos? So the halacha tells us, Oynek Shabbos, under the ban of Oynek Shabbos, which would allow us to ask a non-Jew to go and borrow or do a malacha drabon for it, would be wine, because we need wine for Kiddush. And even though you can actually make Kiddush on, on Hamotzi, but wine is considered necessary for Oynek Shabbos. If you don't have wine, you can ask a non-Jew to go and borrow some wine, bring a bottle of wine, of course, sealed and not mavushal, sealed, etc. from next door. Chalas, which includes chalas or matzah, whatever is necessary to make hamotzi. Fish, because fish and Shabbos is important, and according to many of you, fish in every meal is important. 
Some people have the milk to have fish at every meal. And if, if you have that many, you can ask an, a, a non-Jew to bring you fish from your next-door neighbor for every meal, assuming the next-door neighbor has enough fish for you as well. A main dish, which would be meat or chicken or cholent, etc. Side dishes are not considered necessary. And of course, dessert is definitely not considered necessary. But the main dishes, the main dishes of a meal is considered necessary for Oynik Shabbos, and then it's permitted to ask a non-Jew to do a Malachat Rabbanon. So on a Friday night, you'll be able to ask a non-Jew for your wine, for your challah, for your fish, and for your main dish. And for your main dish, which would be meat or chicken, whatever it may be. Shabbos morning, you can ask a non-Jew to bring you some wine, challah, fish, a cholent, or something like that, as your main dish. The rest, totally not necessary. Can you survive Shabbos without kugel? It's just too bad. <laughs> Shabbos Shudas, again, many people are, are very careful to eat fish and Shabbos Shudas, so you can ask them to bring challah and fish. I know some Yetz Ashmas have a minute to make Kiddush on Shabbos Shudas, but that's not a halacha, so therefore you can't ask an Andrew to go and get you wine for Shabbos Shudas. But fish is something which is considered part of the, the, the meal, the mainstay of the meal of Shabbos Shudas, and if you can ask them for that, the Swedish issues, you can ask an Andrew to go and get you fish. Okay, so that's unlikely to actually happen in any of our homes, that you should be missing your main, your main dish. But what could happen, and this brings us back to some of the uh, discussions we've discussed with electricity, what could happen is that your gas went off or your hot plate went out and your food is going cold. So you come home from school Friday night and you realize that the gas blew out and your food is cold. Or you realize that your hot plate is switched off, you forgot to change the time switch from a Yomtev or whatever it may be, and it's switched off. Or the plug wasn't plugged in, pushed in, from in far enough, which is a common mistake in the Russian air of Shabbos. And you realize you're going to have cold food for Friday night. And not only cold food for Friday night, you might even have cholent for Shabbos morning. What do I do in a situation like that? So in order to understand the background to what we can do and what we can't do, we need to discuss for a few minutes the halachas of Bishel. We're not going to go through all the halachas of Bishel, but we'll have to discuss just for a few minutes the parameters of Hilkas Bishel, and then we can then transport that into where we are, what can I ask a non-Jew to do, what can I not ask a non-Jew to do. And these questions do come up regularly. They are, they are quite common uh, mistakes. So, Hilkas Bishel tells us that I can't cook on Shabbos. I can't cook any food on Shabbos. That's a malachah derasha. That's a biblical issue. To put food on the fire or to put fire under the food and change the state of that food from non-edible to edible is malachah on Shabbos. So that's a malachah derasha. That's a malachah derasha. And that's obvious. I can't ask a non-Jew to cook for me. If I come on Friday night and I don't have enough food, I can't ask him to cook for me because that's a malachah derasha. I can't, no question about that. It may be, actually, when it comes to Ben Hashemoshes, which we've discussed, where I'm allowed to ask a non-Jew to do malachah derasha and ben hashmash, though it's not really practical because we're already being makabal Shabbos and it doesn't work. But there may be a time where it's possible to ask a non-Jew to actually cook for you if there's no problem of bishalakum, etc., etc. But that's complex, and we're going to leave, let's leave that for aside for the moment. But bishul on Shabbos is a malachah derasha. I can't ask a non-Jew to do it for me. Reheating food, reheating food is different. Reheating food depends. If it's a dovey yavish, if it's a dry food, then reheating food on Shabbos does not go under the category of Bishel. It'll only go under the category of what we call Chazorah, returning food to a fire. Returning food to a fire is only Osir, the food is cooked. Once the food's cooked, it's cooked. Dry food cooked is considered cooked. Once it's cooked, there's no malacha. You can't cook a, you can't cook a cooked food. You can burn a cooked food, but you can't cook a cooked food. So therefore, if I have a food which is cooked, putting it back on the fire, putting it back on the hot plate, putting it back in the slow cooker, putting it back in my oven, just constitutes a malachah drabon, no more. If it's liquid, if it's a wet food, it's liquid, 
or a food, a dry food, which has a reasonable amount of liquid to it, not just a tiny bit of moisture, that's not considered liquid, but a reasonable amount of, amount of liquid. So a cholent or a soup or anything like that would be considered a food with liquid. Liquid which has cooled, and then to, you reheat it, that's called bishul deraisa. That would be a malacha deraisa. We say, ein bishalach acha bishul badavalach. When it comes to dry food, we say, badavayavish. Ein bishalach acha bishul badavayavish. There's no bishalach acha bishul on dry food. But when it comes to davalach, when it comes to wet food, then we say, yes, bishul acha bishul. Now, you come home on a Friday night and you find your chicken soup has cooled down. In order to heat it up, you need to put it back on the fire. Or to take it to your next door neighbor and ask them, can I put it on your blech, on your hot plate? If it's cooled down completely, that would be considered a malacha deraisa. Nothing you can do about it. You can't ask a non-Jew to take your cold soup and put it back on the fire because by doing that, you're actually asking him to do a malacha deraisa. And even the tzayich mitzvah, we don't allow a malacha deraisa. We only allow him to transgress a malacha deraisa. So that would be awesome. If, however, you came home and found your kugel off the, f- the flame, it's already been cooked, it's been <laughs> cooked in the oven, it's already perfectly edible, it's just cold, but you can't eat cold kugel. So can you ask a non-Jew to come on? That would depend. If kugel is an integral part of your meal, maybe yes. But if kugel is not an integral part of your meal, then it will be awesome. So where would be an example if you're going to have chicken Friday night? So your Friday night chicken, which is uh, perhaps not in a liquid, it's dry as chicken, uh, schnitzel, dry schnitzel, and it's off the hot plate, you can ask an non-Jew to come put it back on. Because chicken is dry, schnitzel is dry, putting it back on the fire is only a malacha drabonon. If you don't have it on the fire, it's cold. That would therefore affect your ability to enjoy your food on Shabbos. Oinek Shabbos is extremely important. We mentioned it some, some time ago. That when the Gaon, the Gaon, the Gaon lost his taste buds, as he became older, he, he lost his ability to taste. And he was very upset. Not that the Gaon ate very much during the week, but he, he was upset because he wouldn't be able to be in the mitzvah of Oynik Shabbos properly. Oynik Shabbos means you have to enjoy the food. So if the food's cold, it's not very enjoyable. So therefore you're allowed to, you, you wouldn't be allowed to ask a non-Jew if it's the mainstay of your meal, it's the central uh, part of the, of the suda, the chicken, the meat, to put it back on the flame, put it back on the fire, put it back on the hot plate, put it back on the, in the slow cooker, that's not a problem at all. A meal akum l'tzarech mitzvah, when all you're asking the, the non-Jew to do is a jarabono, perfectly permitted. If the soup is hot, it's We'll come back. We're going to come back in a moment. If the soup is hot, if the soup is hot, if the soup is cold, we've said you can't, because then it's Samir Lakum, Lutzerich Mitzvah, but you're doing a Malacha Deraisa, you can't do that. If the soup is hot, you just don't want it to cool down, then at this point in time the soup's hot, then that's permitted. You're not asking a non to do a Malacha Deraisa. All he's doing is a Malacha Drabonon of Chazora, returning a pot to the flame, that's permitted. You can ask a non-Jew to return a pot to the flame. No problem with that at all. Amazing. You ask a non-Jew, please come in. You ask the cleaner, you ask the next door neighbor, whoever maybe, put it back on the... You ask them straight. Straight. The Tzarek Mitzvah, you'll have to ask straight. The Tzarek Mitzvah, you can ask explicitly. No remez. You don't have to start standing on your head to try and get him to understand how to put a pot back on the fly. None of that. You can ask him straight, put the pot back on the fly. Which, where it becomes interesting is, if it's lukewarm, the pot is lukewarm. It's not cold. It's not hot. Hot is no problem. Cold, definitely also. If it's lukewarm. Now here there's been a lot of quotes from the from the Masik Brock in the name of the Chidah, from the Chidah, unbelievable Chiddush. That even though we take on that yesh bishulach bishul for a davalach, recooking a liquid would really normally constitute a malach of the racer, but that's only when it's cooled down completely. If it's still edible warm, it's still ed- it doesn't have to be yet to let this boy. Not hot. 
is edible warm, then it's considered still hot, and you can ask a non-Jew to return. And it's extremely important, because if it happens, you're coming Friday night, it happens, I've had it many times. So you can ask a non-Jew to take your challenge to take your soup, to take your chicken, whatever is needed for the Oynek Shabbos, you can ask them to put it back on the fire, if you have one at home, and if you haven't got a fire, you haven't got any gas lit, and your hot plate is off, you can ask them to take it next door for you, because taking it next door is only a Malacha Jerabonon, and for Malacha Jerabonon, a non-Jew is allowed to, so even though they're doing two Malachas Jerabonon, it doesn't matter, they're going to carry it next door for you, and they're going to put it on the flame next door for you, that's all fine, there's no problem, it's a Chazorah, uh, or it's Havara Mishus Lishus, which is only Drabonon, Hitzor Mishus Lishus and Drabonon, no problem at all. And that's the simple way around uh, a very common. Uh, is, is that because you have a main meal of meat after the soup? Yeah, because soup, I think today soup is an integral part of soup and, 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 the, uh, and the chicken is an integral part. Can you ask him to carry your cook? Well, that's questionable. Does the same apply for if you forgotten to put your fridge in Shabbos mode and you can't open it? So we're going to talk about that in, in a bit later, Mitchell. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit later. We'll see how to how to get around the uh, uh, fridge. We'll, we will come to that mitzvah. Are we clear? Yeah. That's the tzorich mitzvah. The tzorich mitzvah. You're allowed to ask a non to do a malach of you. Where we have an, a bigger chiddush here is normally we say carrying through a rishus rabim would be a malach of the raisa. Carrying fr- from my garden into next door's garden would be a malach of the garbonon. What would happen if my next door neighbour is only on the other side of the road and I live? on God's green road, or I live on the North Circular. And the only way we can get to cross the road is, is by carrying it through Rosh Hashanah. So I'm carrying my food from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah, which itself is only a drabonon, but via Rosh Hashanah. So if you take God's green road to be Rosh Hashanah, or Hoop Lane to be Rosh Hashanah, or Bridge Lane to be Rosh Hashanah, because they connect uh, main roads together, maybe, maybe not, we're not going to get involved in, in that discussion at the moment, then what do I do? Here again, the Paschim are makeful, because many Yushanian take on that taking from Rishos Yachid to Rishos Yachid, Derech Rishos Rabbim is only a Drabonon, it's not called a Derisa, and if you can ask an Andrew to take your food over the road, over the main road, even if he might have to stop, he doesn't have to stop, if he stops for his convenience, that's fine. Sorry? Your soup is lukewarm, and it should get there when it's still lukewarm. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. He has to bring it back to you the next day, sure, sure. He brings it back to you the next day. Or unless your neighbor invites you in to eat there, that's also possible. Depends how well we go with our neighbors. So that's an example of, of the Tzorik Mitzvah. Let me give you another example which is even less known of the Tzorik Mitzvah. You get a knock on the door Friday night, or your husband comes home Friday night from shul and says uh, there was a bunch of guests from shul, they turned up just before Shabbos the shul, they got nowhere to stay, they got nowhere to eat, they haven't got what to do. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't ask you, I hope you don't mind, but I invited them in for not just for the meal, but to sleep tonight. You turn around and you say to him, it's very nice you to buy, I don't have enough beds, and I don't have enough cushions, and I don't have enough quilts. What do I do? Hachnosis orchim is a mitzvah. So here again, you would, have the, uh, you, you would be allowed to ask a non-Jew explicitly to go next door to your neighbor and borrow cushions, borrow quilts, borrow mattresses, whatever's needed, and they can carry it through the street to you, into your home, in order to be carrying the mitzvah of Hachnosis orchim. That seems less, seems more of a chiddish, but it's not, it's the same thing. I'm asking a non-Jew to do a malacha for me, a malacha drabonon, the tzorich mitzvah. The tzorich mitzvah is perfect mitzvah. So far, so good. Let's move on to the next area of where Amir al-Akum is, is permitted, which we discussed a little bit in the previous year, and that's when it comes to the tzorich hefzid. The tzorich hefzid gadol. The, the Shulchan Aruch talks about the case of a fire. 
you're allowed to ask the non-Jew to put out a fire explicitly if it's a Malacha Drabonon. So let me just find you the exact case. Here we're talking about even to ask a non-Jew to do Malacha Deraisa. Chazal were very un- understood that when it comes to finance, when it comes to a person's money, when it comes to a person's property, if we don't allow you to ask a non-Jew to save the property, then you're going to do it yourself. There's no way in the world that you're going to allow your house to burn down. A human being is a human being. Can you imagine? It's, it's impossible. Chazal understood that in order to prevent a person from doing a malacha deraisa or putting out a fire, he, they allowed us to ask a non-Jew to do a malacha l'tzayrch hefzid gobel. So where there's a great hefzid, we're allowed to ask a non-Jew. It's not relevant to us today because today, if you have a chasm shalom, there's a fire. You pick up the phone, the phone to the fire again immediately, immediately. So uh, uh, you, you even put it out yourself if you can, because today our houses are, 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 are flammable. Everything our house is flammable. It's not like in the old days you had a house in the middle of nowhere. So it burned down. So it burned down. And the water. When you walked a half a mile, and you went and joined your neighbour. There was no risk of 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 to anybody's life. But nowadays, a fire is a risk to life. Unfortunately, we've seen what what the risks of fires are. Uh, today, any fire is you put it out yourself. Uh, you can ask a, non, uh, a, a non-Jew for sure, you find the fire brigade for sure. Uh, and even if there's not a Hefzid God, even if the house isn't yours, even if you're renting, so it's not, you don't have the, the, the Hef of Chazal of Adam Baal it's not your money, and all the stuff in your home is not yours, etc. Say you're in somebody else's house, so you haven't got that worry. But nowadays where the, we have mezuzahs on the door, we have swarm inside our homes, Chazal allowed us to ask a non-Jew to put out a fire, to save Kisver Kodesh. So, so nowadays you can definitely find a fire brigade. That's the first thing you should do. No question about it. But what we see from the, the Chazal is that when it comes to Hefzid Godel, Chazal understood. Human beings are human beings. If we don't give a little bit of leeway, w- there's no way that they're going to withstand the soil in the test and they will unfortunately transgress. So here we have a situation, an example like this. Your freezer, your grandchild, your child comes along and pulls the plug out of the freezer. Which happens. It happens. It's, quite, it's not common, but it can happen. You come downstairs Shabbos morning and you say, oh yeah, bro, look, my freezer's off. And I've just cooked all my yom food. And, and I've spent hours and hours and days and days cooking. It's a nightmare, right? I can just see you worrying about this nightmare. And it's by the time it comes to the end of Shabbos, I've lost all the food. I have to goggle. So you will be permitted to ask a non-Jew to come in on Shabbos and put the plug back in. Yes. Put the plug back in. Sorry? Again, if it's a freezer that if you leave closed, you have no worry? For sure not. But we're talking about in a situation where you're worried, seriously worried that the food will defrost and spoil. So you have two days yomtiv. Shabbos and yomtiv, or Shabbos after yomtiv. You realize it's been off for 24 hours already. And, and, and if we don't put it back soon, then everything's going to begin to defrost and spoil. A nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Everybody's, every Arab yomtiv woman's nightmare is that Pastor Shalom, the freezer shouldn't, shouldn't go on. Ask a guy to come in. You can ask a non-Jew to come in. And even here, it's even lighter. Even here, it's less of a problem. Because what are we asking the non-Jew to do? Put on electricity. Electricity we've discussed in the previous show. At least when it comes to Amrilakum, we take on electricity only a Drabonon. Even though we normally say electricity is derisive, you must switch on a, an LED light, etc. We've discussed that at length. But when it comes to Amrilakum, we, we, the status of electricity with reference to Amrilakum is only a Drabonon. So I can ask Nandu explicitly, please come and plug in my, my freezer for me. Unbelievable thing. Uh, another example which they give is not so relevant to us, but it has been the last, last few weeks. 
Sometimes an air conditioning unit which is overworking, and if you over air conditioning unit overworks, it begins to freeze, and then it'll damage the air conditioning unit. Or if you have your boiler which is overworking because the thermostat's not working, and you're worried, Hashem they might set the light, or an oven that might come, might might, might that's, that's overheating, or, or any electric unit is overheating, and if you don't turn it off, there's a worry Hashem that there may be a fire or something of the sort, or even the unit will get damaged, and that will cost you a lot of money to repair it. So that's a hefsed merubah, a mir la'akum lehefsed merubah is mutter. You can ask a non-Jew explicitly to come in and switch it off. Switch it off. Switch it off. Air conditioning. Switch on. Directly. Directly. Lehefsed, you can ask directly. And these are scenarios which are relevant. These are common scenarios which could, you could find in your home. Where Chazal allowed us the, the, the liberty of asking a non-Jew, please come and do a malachah for me. And in the case of hefsed merubah, we can even ask a malachah deraisa. But in most cases, it's not going to be a malachah deraisa. It's going to be a malachah deraisa. Right, let's come down to the third area, which you mentioned before. There's an, another area where Chazal were lenient when it comes to Amir Akum. This is extremely relevant, and that's Amir Akum in the case of a Psikresha. So let's give us a little bit of a background to Psikresha and where it, it's relevant in, in modern day homes. Psikresha. So Chazal talk, I'm going to explain to you what Psikresha is. Chazal talk about Psikresha as follows. A person comes along and takes a chicken, and I don't mean to be gruesome here, but this is an example Chazal gives. And he cuts off the head because he wants his child to have something to play with. The child will play with the head, but not with the chicken. You don't want to give the child the chicken because you want to eat it. So Shabbos, he wants to shech the, 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 the chicken, but he doesn't want chicken to die. He wants it to live. He has no interest in chicken dying. But he just wants the head. Uh, you can't give the, the child the head unless you cut the head off, right? So he's not, he's not really doing a malachi. He's just taking the head off. But at the same time, it'll... It'll have to die. That's a psikresha. Psikresha, you cut off the head. Psik means to cut. Resha, the head. That's where the terminology comes from. That's the example I'll give. You cut off the head, but say, I don't want it to die. I want it to live, but I just need the head for the moment. And I'll put it back on again in a few minutes' time. That's a psikresha. A psikresha is a malacha, whether you like it. Even though your intention was not to do a malacha, it's a malacha. So if I do a malacha unintentionally, I carry my chair along the, in, in my garden because I want to see it. it's a lovely warm Shabbos and I want to sit in the garden and I carry my chair into the garden and in the process of carrying it accidentally I, I dug a groove with the legs in the ground that's okay you've done nothing because it's a dovo what you did was you carried a chair you had no intention to make the groove it wasn't inevitable that you were going to actually make the groove it just happened this, in, this, in this moment this case in this way you, the way you were carrying it it was a bit heavy for you and you dropped it for a moment and you dragged it along the ground it ends up being, uh, making a groove that's a dovashen mischabim, which is not on Shabbos. If, however, you're carrying a, a massive table, a massive table through the back garden, because you want to have it at the other side of the garden in the shade, and you want to have your Shabbos meal outside, it's inevitable by schlepping along a huge, heavy table that you're going to make a groove in the ground. That's a case of a psikrishah. That means I'm doing a malacha unintentionally, but inevitably. I don't intend to do the malacha. I have no will, no wish whatsoever for the groove to come in the ground. I don't want my garden dug up. But... It's inevitable if I'm going to pull a large table, a heavy table, along the ground, what's it going to do? It's going to... Many malachas and shabbos are persecutions. Many malachas and shabbos are persecutions. Chazal, when it came to a non-Jew, Chazal allowed a mere lakum in the case of a persecution. That means when the non-Jew is going to do an action, which in itself is not a malacha, in itself is not a malacha, but inadvertently, but will definitely happen, there will be a malacha as an outcome of the action of this non-Jew, that's permitted to ask a non-Jew on Shabbos. So, when it comes to a fridge on Shabbos, you forgot to put your fridge onto a Shabbos mode, you have a problem. 
If I don't put the fridge on the Shabbos mode, every time I open the door, the fan's going to go on. Or every time I open the door, the light's going to go on. I have a problem here. What do I do? So in, the, in, in a situation like that, you can ask a non-Jew to open and close the fridge for you. Because the non-Jew is doing an action of opening and closing the fridge. He's not doing an action of switching a fan on and off, or a light on and off. He is. What, ask the non-Jew, what are you doing? He's opening and closing the fridge. It so happens that it's inevitable as an outcome, a direct outcome, but inevit- inevitable outcome that the light will go on or off, and the fan will go on or off. That doesn't bother me. But asking to the magnet is asking to do directly the, the malacha of... of the fridge, the light off. So asking to do a malacha, then you're asking to turn the fridge off. If now, if you need your fridge to serve Shabbos, to serve Enoch Shabbos, maybe it's mutter. But this way, he's not doing anything for you. He's just, he's just opening the door, and it's inevitable that the light will go on and off. Now, if you have a, a constant fellow standing there in your home, a non-Jew, doing nothing all Shabbos, <laughs> which uh, I can't imagine most of you do have, then you have a, a simple answer. If you don't have that, and it's Lesser Shabbos, you've got your Shabbos food in there, which you need for the main meal for your Oynek Shabbos, then you'd be allowed to ask the non-Jew to move the magnet. And also, because of the, the other food that you have, like spoil, you know? if, you, uh, if, if, if there's half the it how much it is. Hopefully, by the time we finish the meal, there shouldn't be that much left. <laughs> that is for, uh, 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 sure, ask directly, ask directly, because it's it's uh, it's psikresha. You're not asking them to do anything. You're not asking them to do malacha. You're asking them to do an action which is only indirectly, but inevitably, an outcome of a malacha. Right, we have another area where Chazal will make up when it comes to Amir Akum, and that's called, this is not so explicit in Halacha, but it's mentioned in the Mishnah Barur in the, the Sharetzian, and he mentions this Kula, that you're allowed to ask a non-Jew for Kovod Habris. And this is a very interesting Halacha, Kovod Habris. Kovod Habris means that if a person is going to be embarrassed, highly embarrassed, we're not talking about just a slight embarrassment, he's going to be highly embarrassed, he's going to be in a situation where he, he, he's, it's really untenable for him to be in, in, in the public in that, in, that, in that type of situation, you can ask a non-Jew to help him. So for instance, if a person's walking in the street and his clothes rip, and his clothes rip, so he's now missing his clothes, or he looks terrible, he has his shirt and his record and everything, and, his, his, and there's a huge rip there, he can't carry on walking the street like that, he looks, the embarrassment is terrible. So you ask a non-Jew who's walking about, please go to my house and bring me, I'm really like him, and we're talking about in a case where it's only a drop on, on the, uh, the road is only a drop on, please can you bring me some clothes from my house, my wife will give you them and bring them so I can get dressed. And I can walk like I mentioned in the street. In a, it's an embarrassing situation. Covered Habris, Chazal allowed us to ask a non-Jew in a situation of a shvus. Amir Lakum, in a drabonon, covered Habris is coming. Where this becomes practical, is imagine a person is making a simcha, he's making a shalom zocha. And the rush of a shalom zocha, you manage to get your, your cakes in, you got the, the what do you call them in, oh, the, uh, the arbus in, and, and, and you get there Friday and you realize there's no drinks. There's no drinks, no lachaims, no drinks. That's embarrassing. Can you imagine that, that all your friends are going to come in, you can't even offer them a lachaim, there's not a whiskey, not a beer, nothing in the house. You, you, you're just embarrassed beyond, beyond belief. And why you should be embarrassed beyond belief, I don't know. But many, many men, unfortunately, would be embarrassed beyond belief. And you can ask a non-Jew to go and pick up from the shop or from the next door neighbor some, not doing a malacha, some drinks, so you can have them on the table for your shalom and you shouldn't be embarrassed. In a situation of covered habrius, you can ask an object to do a malachadavon. Of course, if it's a malachadavon, you can't. You can't pay the shopkeeper because 
uh, maybe you can even do that, but it's, it, it might. But if you have a shopkeeper who trusts you, or a neighbour who has a, a, a stock of beer in his house, or, or, or a bunch of bottles of whiskey, you can ask the non-Jew to go next door, please, and bring me the beer, bring me the whiskey, bring me the drinks, so that I'm not embarrassed when my friends come in for my sins. This would apply as well if you have a number of guests and you serving a meal, but the main meal, the main course is there, but the side dishes are all wrong or all cold, etc., etc. And you're going to be highly embarrassed. You've got 50 people come for, for, for Shabbos morning Shabbos brachos, and you're highly embarrassed. You haven't, got, you haven't got 17 courses. You know, not that 17 courses for Shabbos brachos. It's terrible, and your petty fours have flopped, and everything's gone, gone mad. It's ridiculous. Then, again, COVID-19 comes into play. You're not obligated to be embarrassed. And in order to get around, to get around embarrassment, not to be embarrassed, because I'll allow you to ask an Andrew if that would help. They can only do a Malachah Drabonah, not Malachah Drabonah. To ask an Andrew to do a Shavuz, do a Drabonah, in order to get around the problem of embarrassment, cover up risk is committed. Okay? I think we've covered more or less all the exemptions of Amri Yes? What do we do with the Shabbat So that's a bit more, a little bit more complex. And I'll explain to you why. Because when you put a Shabbos platter on, you're, you're lighting the... Mm-hmm. So that could be a Malachah Deraisa. So Amirila Akum for a non-Jew to do a Malachah Deraisa is more complex. But if you have it on a tag switch, for instance, and you ask them to switch it on and they'll come on in five minutes time on the tag switch, that's a bit easier. Because you're not asking them to do a direct Malachah, you're asking them to do Malachah with a Groma or, or Psekresha, however you want to define it, and that will be permitted. But to ask them to put the time switch on, the, the platter on, maybe a monocle dresser. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought you said before, I mean, we're up and we say the electricity. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, the problem here is electricity is what they're on, but the light, if, if the light is a fire, and in, in the hot plate you have the, the, the element is, is, a, is a real fire, that would be considered the dresser. It would be like asking him to switch on a uh, gas, which would be, that, that's problematic. Problematic. Yeah. So you'd have to ask your next door neighbour if they, yeah. or put it, or get them to put a time switch on and switch it on in ten minutes time, which is only which is delayed. When it's delayed, then that you can ask Andrew. You can put the plug in. You can put the plug in as well, yeah. Why not? Why not? That's only drop on. That's only drop on. Ah, come on, then take the time. Yes, give him to give the guy take. If you can get the guy to understand where your time switches are. Take the time switch on, and you can actually get them to set it for five minutes' time. Yeah. Uh, you, you're a genius. You should get the Nobel Peace Prize for that. <laughs> but if you can do that, then that, that would be mother. I think so, because then you're asking to do something which is only a groma, which is not direct, which is indirect. You can you can ask them straight, because it's the seich letzayich mitzvah in Shabbos. But not to switch not to switch it on immediately, because that would be correct. correct. Or if you come, if you come, come down in Yomtov and you find your time switch is slightly wrong, yeah. so it's coming on too early, so you want him to put it on a bit later, and it's necessary, because otherwise the food will burn, yeah. and, and you won't have food for Shabbos, so for food for the meal, for Oinig Yomtov, for simple Yomtov, then you can ask him to, put, to make it come on a bit later, because he's not doing anything actually. All he's doing is an action of a grammar, or psych ratio, however you want it, that would be permitted. No, that's, uh, it could be in these just ones are taken. It's also only, um, only, um, only electricity. There's no, there's no conceivable. It's all drop on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you try and explain it, but I can't, I can't work out the digital one. 
In Polish, yeah. <laughs> and therefore, well, what, what, what's going to happen? And then, so you, so you want to have food for Shabbos? Yes. So, so technically, if you can, but you can't have them to do anything which is going to cause them an offer of the straight away. Now, it's very hard to say to a non-Jew that put the plug in, but that's only if it's a creation, because all he's doing is putting the plug in, and the uh, help just automatically eats up. That's, that's not really a psychration. Psychration is good when I'm doing a different action. Switching on, when I switch on a light, I switch on a, a switch. What I'm doing is pressing a switch, but the light comes on. That's called a direct action. You can't call that indirect. Uh, and that's similar to walking on the street when, when the light comes on, a sensor light. Very hard to call it an indirect action. When you know that by breaking the, the rays, you're switching on the light. That would, be, mm, according to many bosses, we consider a direct action. Asking to push, push the plug-in would be a direct action, but if you're asking to, to put on a tie switch, which is delayed, that's already only indirect, because that's grown. That's indirect, and that's permitted to ask an object. The Tzarek Mitzvah. Okay, we're really running short of time. I wanted to start the next area of Amir Lakan today. The, the next area of Amir Lakan, which is extremely important, and we'll just, we'll just give a background to it, and we'll come back in, the, in two weeks' time, I think it's the last one before the summer holidays, and we'll finish off uh, in and finish off and, and uh, come to some conclusion when it comes to this area of Amir Lakum. We've discussed so far the halachas of asking an non-Jew to do malacha for you when you can, when you can't, directly, indirectly, remiza, derech tzivur, not derech tzivur, which areas are chazal lenient when it comes to Amir Lakum. We've discussed chayla, mitzvah, hefzamurba, etc. But there's, there's a second whole area of Amir Lakum which we, we've sort of avoided. And this, this is not directly relevant to the fact that you asked or didn't ask. And this is the halakha that you're not to benefit from an action of a non-Jew, which he does for a Jew. Any malacha that a non-Jew does for a Jew, you're not allowed to benefit from. Now, when we say you're not allowed to benefit, it doesn't mean to benefit only on Shabbos. You can't benefit from an action that a non-Jew does for a Jew. For a, Jew a malacha that a non-Jew does for a Jew, you cannot benefit from it, full stop. So, no, you can't benefit from it, full stop. You can't benefit from it. It means you mustn't benefit from it. So, for example, if this is an example Chazalgilas, so if uh, a non-Jew goes to the orchard a couple of miles away and picks some fruit and brings it back to you and puts it on your table on Shabbos, and he did it for you, so you are not—you never asked him. This is not—you haven't transgressed on Meilakum. You did nothing wrong. You were sitting in your front room enjoying a Shabbos afternoon peace, and your next-door neighbor is a good friend of yours, and, and he likes you because you're really nice to him and you buy him presents. So he went out and he picked some fruit and he brought it to you as a present on Shabbos. So he's done a malacha for you on Shabbos. He picked fruit and he brought it to you. Can you eat that fruit? Can you not eat that fruit? And the answer is, of course you can't, because by eating that fruit, you are benefiting directly from a malacha. Now, this benefit has got nothing to do with Shabbos. It's the reason why you can't benefit is because he did a malacha for you on Shabbos. But I can't benefit. I can't have any gain whatsoever from a malacha that the non-Jew did for me. Which will therefore mean that not only can't I eat it on Shabbos, I can't eat it Matsoi Shabbos either until the time that he could have gone on Matsoi Shabbos, picked the fruit and brought it back to me. Once we've crossed that time, then I'm not benefiting because I could have achieved the same benefit without him transgressing a Malach on Shabbos. As long as I can achieve the same benefit in a, in a scenario of no transgression of Shabbos, then it's permitted. So I'd have to come to Matsoi Shabbos I'd have to, Matsoi Shabbos, I'd have to wait the time, the allotted time it takes for him to go 
to the orchard, pick the fruit, bring it back to me, takes an hour, two hours, three hours, however long it takes, that's the amount of time I have to wait on my Shabbos, and then I can benefit from it. And this makes a difference if it's a Malachah the Reisah, Malachah the you cannot benefit from a Malachah the non-Judas for your Shabbos. There's a Machlechus in the, in the Ramah and the, and the Shulchan Aruch, which is not so relevant today, since in the time of Chazal, nobody would actually go at night to the orchard. It was dangerous. Nobody would go out at night to the orchard to pick fruit. So can I include the night? So say it takes three hours to travel from my door to the orchard, pick the fruit and bring it back. Do I count the three hours from the moment Matzai Shabbos starts? Do I count the three hours from early next morning, when it's possible for a person to go to the orchard? Since nobody goes at night, it would never happen at night. If I would then only wait three hours at night, I'd be benefiting directly from the malacha of Shabbos. So therefore I have to wait till the next morning. And that's the Machlech Shabbosim. Nowadays where we have cars, etc., etc., it becomes much less of, of an issue. The night's not an issue. But at least we get an understanding of, of Chazal. This is extremely important because non-Jews will do malachas for us. We have to discuss the different scenarios of a non-Jew doing malacha for us, doing work for us, building work, whether it's cleaning work, whether it's, it's, it's uh, cooking, etc., etc., washing up, all those types of, of work. We have to discuss much in the coming shape, what's permitted and what's not permitted. Just want to finish off with a very short Vatayah. You like this Vatayah, just, yeah. just very short. Matayah Oelecha Yaakov Mishkanay Secha Yisrael. So Chazal tell us, Matayah Oelecha Yaakov Bilam, one of the brachas Bilam gave Chal Yisrael was Matayah Oelecha Yaakov Mishkanay Secha Yisrael. Your tents and your, your dwelling places are beautiful. Chazal understands tents and dwelling places to mean the bottom, the, 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 the bottom medrashes and the bottom knesses. The base of medrash and the base of knesses. The places we learn and the places we don't. Matayu, what's so good about the places we learn? What did he ever realize? What did he understand? Bilam, it's so unique about the basic Knesset and the basic Medrash. And I want to tell you an unbelievable thing that Vimagon tells us. An amazing, amazing thing. He tells us from the Pasuk in, in Shia Shir, when Kali Shol asked Akadish Borku, he asked Akadish Borku, how, Hagidali, Echabonafshi, Echotira, Echotabis Basarim. How am I going, how are we in Golos? How are we going to be able to continue in Golos? How are we going to know what's right and what's wrong? And really, in truth, only in Eretz Yisrael are we able to keep the mitzvahs properly. So how in Golis, when we're in Chutzlars, are we able to keep the mitzvahs properly? So Kodesh answered him and he said, I answered Kodesh and he said, Im loy teidu lach ha-yafu v'anashim, si'i lach v'ikvei ha-soyim, v'ri'i es-gidei ha-sayich, al-mishkanais ha-royim. So God says, what you have to do is follow the footsteps of our forefathers, follow the minhagim and the halachas that our forefathers handed down, generation to generation. But then he says, v'ri'i es-gidei ha-sayich, Shepherd your young ones. Al Mishkanais Haroim. And the God says Mishkanais Haroim means Mishkanais means the basic Knesset. Haroim of even the basic Knesset and Chutzlois. And the Vinogon tells us the basic Knesset and the basic Medrash. And this is what Bilam meant when he said Matayv Alecha Yaakov is so powerful that it's as if you're in Eretz The Gemara tells us a story that the they came to ask Rabbi Yechonan. It says in the pasuk Leman Yibu Yimeichem Yimeichem He wants to have long life. You have, you have to have Laman Yibu Yimeichem Yimeichem. How does it carry on? Al Ha'adoma. Only in Eretz So he turned around to Birchman and they said to Birchman, Are there any old people? Birchman came from Bobo. And he came up to Eretz So they asked him, Are there any old people in Bobo? The Prophet says, Laman Yibu Yimeichem Yimeichem. So he says, Of course there's old people in Bobo. So he said, How can it be? The Prophet says, Laman Yibu Yimeichem Yimeichem. So he said, Do you know who's old people in Bobo? The ones who come early to the basic Knesses and the ones who go home late from the basic Knesses. Those are the people, the schus of the basic Knesset, that's why they have long life. But it doesn't answer the question. The question was, it says in the Pasuk of the Man, Yibu Yimeichem, 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 Aloha Domo. 
So the Gaon says, no, that was the answer. The answer is that the Beitiknesses and the Beitimedrash, since in the time of Mashiach, all the Beitiknesses and all the Beitimedrash are going to end up going to Esisrael. So the Beitiknesses, the Beitimedrash in Chutzlaret has the status of Esisrael. And therefore, if a person spends his time in the Beitiknesses, spends his time in the Beitimedrash, allows his husband, his children to, to, to be in the Beitiknesses and the Beitimedrash, then they are connected directly even in Chutzlaret to Esisrael. And that's why Kodesh Prophet said to Kodesh Yisrael, if you want to know how to survive in Chutz Laris, how are you going to survive without Kodesh Yisrael? How are you going to survive without being able to do the mitzvahs properly because we're not in Eretz Yisrael? The answer is, go to the Bosh Beis Medrash, go to the Beis Knesses. If you have a Beis Medrash and Beis Knesses, that's Eretz Yisrael, even in Chutz Laris, that has the importance and the chashivas of Eretz Yisrael. And that's how you're able to live a long life and that's how we have to survive. And that's the importance of having a beautiful shul and a beautiful kehillah and a basic medrash and bottom medrashim where you can sit and learn, you can daven. Because every time you come into a shul and every time you come into the basic knesset and every time you come to the basic medrash, you are walking into Eretz Yisrael. And that gives us the ability to live, to survive, that gives us the ability to, to exist in Chutzlar. So we should give us Yat Tishmaya, that we should take this wonderful shul and all the shuls around here, we shall find them all in Yushalayim, Yerakadish, Bekarev, Vyasa Goel, Amin, Amin.